infinite path Two best friends who love to chat Oh, what it's like to be an ant Those who ant Those who ant Hello! Welcome to Those Who Ant, a podcast to help you see the world through ant-colored glasses. My name is Aunt Pat. And I am Auntie Mags, and it's so good to see you today. Pat, how are you doing? I'm doing so good. I have to tell you just before we start, Jeremy made a meme of me. You're a meme? I'm a meme. Explain it. It's a picture of me and I'm about to burp. And so my neck is, my chin is real far back pressed against my neck. And the the text says ribbit. Like I look like a bullfrog. And it's true that I do. He nailed it. The wit on that kid. He's an angel. And he gets teased because he's artistic like that. He likes he makes a lot of memes. And the kids at school tease him because he makes memes and things like that. The, uh, the memes that move. He sent me some of those. And he gets teased because he's artistic. And I can't wait for to see myself on the internet because I know these memes go round and round. Yeah. When you say memes that moves, you mean a GIF? What's that? I think it's called a GIF. It's when they move. Oh, yeah. Then that's what that's the other one. He's doing memes and GIFs. He's also, he's also, because the school counselor told him he had to do this, he's doing adult coloring books. Wow, that's advanced. Because how old is he? Uh, 11. If he's doing adult coloring books, that's advanced. He could very easily be coloring Pokemon or something. That's right. I'm not sure the intent of the meme, right? Because I think that a little bit, and I just want to acknowledge this, you know, I'm not sure that he thought that I would like it, but I love it. So jokes on Jeremy. I think it's cute. If you think it's cute, then I'm going to think it's cute. As long as you're on board with it, I want to make sure that you're, you got to be okay with it. Initially, I was upset because I didn't know who had sent it to me. And initially, I was insulted and hurt. But then when I saw it was from him, I knew not to get upset. I told him, oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you. And what did he say back? He hasn't written me back yet. When was this? When he sent it? Uh, it was 2.30 in the morning. What the heck was he doing up at 2.30 in the morning? I'd rather, I don't, I don't know. You don't want to think about it. I don't blame you. If he's going to take that step and he's going to be autistic and he's going to send it to you, he's looking for a reaction one way or another. So he was poking the anti-bear. So the way you responded says a lot about you. Yeah. He got an ant reaction, which is, I love it. Oh, I love you. I can't wait to give you a big hug. Oh, that's a full ant reaction. Only thing would have made it better is you gave him five bucks. Slide him $5, as our friend Dutch would say. Don't worry. That's coming. Jeremy's a little, you've referred to him as diminutive. And I think he's going to be one of those kids who does bigger things in spite of that or because of it. Can't tell which. You know how sometimes I I will say like when I'm interacting with the kids, it is that thing of like, I think I know what you are. And I wish I'm going to put this in writing and see in 10 years if I was right. You know, like it makes me want to put it, seal it in an envelope, open it back up in 10 years. Maybe I'll do that. Should we do that? Give yourself a project. Maybe give myself a project. Speaking of projects, we have gone on some fun missions in our day together. You know, we've, we've done some fun stepping out, not in a way of cheating, in a way of like we go together, we step out on the town, we find friends, we find new reasons to feel alive and happy. And one of the best reasons for me and you to feel alive and happy is our next guest. Now, I know that I always say this, our next guest is the best person ever, but in this case, again, it's true. I want you to welcome, ladies and gentlemen, mostly ladies, but however you identify, Uncle AJ to the podcast. It is a pleasure to be here. And if you are calling me one of the best people you know, among the people you have already had on this, then I am amongst fine company indeed. AJ, you're a poet. The way you talk is like a song that I don't have access to. I am inspired. I am not a poet. I just have two of the finest muses right here in front of me, okay? And I have to say, I was listening during what you've been uh, going over so far. Do I understand, uh, Pat, that you have someone comparing you to a frog? Because I just want to say that sounds like an electronic lie. One. Thank you. Uh, And two, you know, he caught me, you know, he likes to, um, when we're together, he will take still images and videos of me, I believe, to try to find uh, moments in which I um, do not look my best. So I believe in this instance, I think I was about to either sneeze or, or, oh, like uh, pull my head back, like that there was maybe a bee near me. A startle. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did, to be fair to him, a little bit in that moment, I looked like I may have been more some frog. All right. Well, if it's online, I'm sure I'll run into it eventually, and I guess I'll, I'll have to uh, see for myself. My instinct was to support your decision on that. And so, but you're right. It could, it could very well be an electronic lie, AJ. You're right about that. Because if it, it, there's nothing frog-like about you. Nothing. Except for you oh. have appreciation for both water and land. Hmm. And a fine quality in anyone, I might say. I would agree. Glass half full. Exactly. It's full of half water, half land. That truly, you know? environment half full, water or not. Yes. Now, AJ, well, first I'm going to address the elephant in the room, which is, you know, you and I take a very anti-uncle stance. Not that we are against uncles, just that we want uncles to be better. We want them to get less credit, but do more because the Funkel narrative that we are taking a hand against, you know. And you're not going to get an argument out of me. We've been through this before. I agree. The fun uncles are, they're such an easy choice to support. It's like apple pie. Like, who's going to argue about that? The fun uncle, of course. But there's too many of them. So I am happy to say I don't think we're on either sides of this issue. I am for being a practical uncle. Or I guess if you had to say, you would say a pruncle. A pruncle or a punkle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a punkle. That's true. And some of my advice does get a little rough. But I'm there to prepare my nephews and nieces. So there's no time for fun when your life is on the line. So that's my approach. Let the fun be taught by someone else. Oh, You know, I'm here for real life knowledge. Now, AJ, because I know that you like to be, um, you like to prepare the kids. Would you consider yourself a prepper? Well, that's a, that's a loaded term because, you know, people, when you say prepper, you think of like bunkers. For me, it's more of just a, a very well fortified rec room. And it's not, um, I think many people have them very low under the ground. And for me, I just started with a sunken living room. And I was like, let's just kind of finish it off. So I added some walls. So yes, I do have that in case things really go south. But I don't know, half prepper, maybe half prepared. That's about as far as I'll go with it. First of all, I love a sunken living room. Oh, there's such a pleasant surprise. I love the idea that you could be walking around your house and if you're not paying attention, you could fall right into your living room. I had an aunt who, well, I mean, it's kind of sad, but she's cross-eyed because of a sunken living room. Explain. Well, she fell right down. My parents had moved into a new house and really overdid it in the surprise department. It was nighttime. They brought people in, didn't turn on any lights. It was a surprise. It was at night. My parents hadn't turned on the lights. My Aunt Elaine runs in, immediately fell into the sunken living room, hit her head on a coffee table, cross-eyed for the rest of her life. What in the world was that potty like? Oh my God. It was so fun. Because she was a goer. There was no damage, no bruise, no bleeding, no nothing. Immediately cross-eyed, immediately accepted it. Oh, we could all take a page out of Elaine's book, I tell you right now. Because she didn't let anything slow her down. And that's the nice thing is, as far as I know, when there's trauma, it's kind of looking for a place to settle. And sometimes it'll spread out and bruise and, you know, it'll go on and on for days. And sometimes it'll just kind of pick it's Mark, and it sounds like it went right to the eye and kind of knocked it out a true, but then it's done with. You know, then you can, keep, you can keep going with your day. Yeah, move on. So there was no blood? She just whacked one eye crossed and then stood up and pottied? She stood up and she said, oh my God, did you all get a margarita machine? Because they had. It's the first thing she saw when she stood up. Was it directly in front of her? Or was it like off to the side? That's right. It was off to the side. Glass half full. Uh-uh. They had rented a margarita machine for the party or, or it was a permanent fixture in the sunken living room? It was a part of the house that they bought. Oh. They bought it with a, a player piano, a margarita machine, a sunken living room. Home of the future from way yeah. back when. Yeah. One of those macrame chairs where it's like you're a plant. You know what I mean? It hangs from the ceiling. It was a wonderland. Would they buy the house from Paul Lind? I'm not sure. I'd have to ask, but they're dead. I'm sorry, dude. That's okay. God, that's a house to drive past and try to get a look at the silhouettes in the window and see what they've kept and what they haven't. <gasps> do you do that, Eva? No, I haven't. I could. 
I'll tell you this, when my grandparents sold their house, myself, my cousins, my sisters, my mom and my aunts and uncles, we, who I love, by the way, I love my uncles so much. It's worth saying that because my uncles are good uncles. They're yeah. out there. Exactly. Not all uncles. So we used to drive by the house. It was on a street called Circle Drive. We used to drive by the house every week on garbage day to see what they were throwing out after the new people moved in. What would go- you find? Give me one. Give me your best find. Now, my grandfather was a crafty man. He had a really poorly put together, but very cool looking gazebo, outdoor kitchen. But the wiring was not approved and done by my grandfather, who was a pretty typically Italian man who just was like, I'll do it. And he just did it however he thought it should be done instead of maybe complying with any kind of code. So they had to really disassemble the entire backyard. And that is a true story. The shame is from for so many gazebos, if you get it a little bit wrong, it still can do the job. But when there's wiring and electricity running through it, like you just described, it gets a lot more complicated. There's a lot more room for error. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's what the wiring controlled. Obviously lights, a ceiling fan inside, and he had rigged an 8-track player. So the 8-track player was inside the house, and then... He'd put, you go in, into the house, put, put a new uh, A-track in. A lot of Lou Monty. Don't know if you've ever heard of Lou Monty. He's the guy that sings Dominic the Donkey, right? The Italian Christmas Donkey. Mm-hmm. I don't mind telling you about Lou Monty because he's a genius. This man made a career out of, and I know Pat knows this one, Peppino the Italian Mouse. And uh, that's a big, that was a staple growing up in my house. Until I met you, until I met you, I didn't know how, I didn't know animals could be Italian. Yeah, they can. They can. There was Cheech the Cat. Pellucci the Italian parrot, Dominic the donkey. There's a million. This guy is just working through like the animal catalog and describing an Italian version of them. Rest his soul. The story of Peppino the Italian mouse is, everybody should look this song up. It's so much fun. They were experimenting with audio like Alvin and the Chipmunks and it's this little Italian mouse. And one of the lines that always gets me is this uh, Lou Monty's character brings a lady home and he opens, he says, I, uh, uh, she, uh, we open up the door. She screamed at what she saw. There was little Peppino doing a cha-cha on the floor. The mouse was dancing in there. It's a little cartoon mouse. And not an Italian dance, I might add. No, the cha-cha. Worldly. A world mouse. The best part is these animals, they're picking up culture from all corners of the globe. Yeah. I'll be honest, Cheech the cat was a bit of a pervert in my eyes. They always make cats the perverts. And animals, it goes dogs are dumb, cats are perverts. Mice are crafty. Birds are gossips. Mm-hmm. Giraffes are cold, distant. Wait a second. What makes you think giraffes are cold and distant? Because they seem above it all? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. And what they we... Don't, I feel like they don't have the time. The effort doesn't go into bending down. They're like, if if it's not where my head is, you know. And they don't make a sound, you know? I want something that can react. You don't know what they're thinking. Yeah. It's hard to read. Yeah, that's true. And what were we going to say about sharks? Too curious. As far as like some, you know, the uh, traditional thing in the animal world. Too curious. You know, they say if a shark smells even one drop of blood in the water, they're going to come sniff it out. Just leave it alone. Yeah, if there's a whole bucket of it, you, you're probably, your attention is needed. But there's no need to go investigating every single thing that happens in the ocean. That's just what I think. I, that's why I wouldn't go scuba diving on vacation when I was having my Uncle Flo. I was afraid to go swimming because I said, what if... Worst case scenario, I'm devoured by a shark. Pat, you were there. You were supportive of it. I went right in. I'm always ready to go, you know? I really am. Uh, At any time any of us could go, you got to make peace with it. I'm not saying that everyone has to feel that way. That's just how I feel. That's also so noble of you, because then if the shark's going to go for anyone, Pat, you're right there in its path. Yeah, have at it. I never looked at it that way. That That is very brave. And just for the record, I would have gone scuba diving any other time. I don't actually know why I got on the boat. I, I should have just stayed back, you know, gone to a store or something. Yeah, because don't they tend to ask when you're boarding, like, what will you be doing today? Like, that's the time where you would say, I, I, I am going in the water, Captain. Captain. I had to rent all that scuba gear. That was expensive. Why did I do that? Probably I didn't want to leave you there by yourself, but you would have been fine. You're so good at that. What, being with people on a boat? Yeah, or also being by yourself. Yeah, old pro. Do you remember that restaurant, that Italian restaurant that you used to go into and sit by yourself, make the waitress read your book you were working on, your manuscript? Oh, yeah. You mean um, Italian Joe's? You'd go in there, you'd bring any note you jotted down, and you'd hand it to the waitress who I believe had a degree in English, right? That's what she said. And the two of you would sit and talk through your notes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. She was very critical. 
that's a good person to get an opinion from, like someone that wasn't expecting to be reading a book at that time. And then suddenly they are like, you're going to get some real opinions from that person, not some, you know, high minded editor who, who knows about reading. And then she got fired. For what? So I know this one only because you know that I walk in the security circles. There'd been a string of what seemed to be her breaking up fights, but she was starting them. <gasps> of course. She would get in between people and she would get them arguing and she would egg them on. And so then it looked like a fight would break out that she had puppeteered. Wow. Speaking of security circles, we didn't even mention. Here we go. Buckle up, buttercups. So for all these interviews you've been doing, these people don't know about your near brush with inmate life? With our life of crime? I'm just glad I, I like to think I stopped something before it started because you two would have been infamous. We would have been. We would have been. We'll settle for podcast infamous. Oh, be careful. You're going to wind up on one of those ones where they like try to figure out a murder for like 35 episodes. Oh, I would love that. I love Dateline. Josh Mankiewicz. Josh Mankiewicz. Oh my God. So before we get back into your mank bank, we want to talk about how we met, which is the most charming. You know, in movies, they call it a meet cute. This was not a meet cute at first, but it turned into one this so i don't know if these i don't know what you've said about me beforehand but uh i do work security at the men's warehouse down by the old levitt field mall where you know so many most of our popular stores are along there and we are uh and you know an open plan storefront so the big open entrance and sometimes people walk in you just get a feeling about them and you two walked in i was like i don't know what these two women are doing in this men's warehouse but I'm going to keep an eye on them and I might just keep two. And then sure enough, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes later, Pat just starts strolling towards the exit, just arm full of ties, like almost more ties. I think most of the ties we had in stock at the time. And just, I, I, I was like, ma'am, <laughs> uh, you maybe want to exchange some currency. And you had, it, you had not even realized you were draping so many ties over your arm. It, you had done it sort of subconsciously, just collected every tie in the store. You know, you looked like, I don't know, some kind of like a Mardi Gras decoration. Like you just, they were just overflowing and you didn't even realize it. And then, because I guess I came on a little strong as I do at work sometimes when I got the uniform on, when I'm in the beige and, and silver, because I had come on a little strong. Boy, did Mags read me my rights. Yeah, you, you're dang right I did. I had just, uh, you know, I didn't even know I was doing it picking up ties, draping over my arm. I didn't even know what I was doing. I wasn't even shopping for ties, to be honest with you, and I just kept doing it, you know, kind of like you're in a fugue state, you know? There was a timeline there that coincided with some problems with Ron, and uh, I believe it was what we would classify as the beginning of the end. We kind of walked into that men's warehouse to... See if it sparked anything. Our attitude is, let's go in there. Let's see what this place makes you feel. How do you feel? And we were talking. We just, our thoughts got away with us. And little did we know, you know, both of us were just so in tune to each other. We weren't even, you know, I didn't even realize you'd been putting those ties around you, carrying them, you know, heading out the door. All I knew is you said at one point, you looked at me and you said, I'm going to throw up. I got to get out of here. And so she just kind of went for the door. Yep. It was a real clip. It was in basic training, what we call the shoplifter trot, which is you try to just get so much momentum that no one knows what's happening. Suddenly you're out the door with the merchandise. And that's what I, that's what my eye identified before I could see the human being behind it and the pain that they were in. And the pain upon further inspection, I'm sure was very visible. It was a it was a dark time for you. Yeah, yeah. And being in there just made me realize the only suits Ron has ever owned are things that he got from like a Salvation Army. And when his brother gained all that weight and he gave away his clothes. And it just was so painful to be around a bunch of vital people who wanted to wear their own clothes. It just really kind of cemented the fact that that relationship was over. And you put all those ties back on the rack and watched you do it. She went back to each and she did it properly. And we had many of them tied on the mannequins. Like it was not, it took work for you to get them and it took work for you to put them back. Yeah. And I said, let me help. And she said, no, I got to do this myself. She's 
she's brave that way. She's so brave that way. And and to you, a sweet prince who let her take the time and let her explore the emotional journey that she needed to explore. Not an ounce of judgment. Once you saw her eyes and what was going on, your face, it was like you went from this hyper, like a masculine, tough security guard to a puppy dog who said, let me be here for you. And by the time I was done, you were closed. You've been closed for 45 minutes. But I would not let them close that door. I said, you are going to leave that door open, sir, to my manager until you were done, until you did what you needed to do. It really was a, um, a really human moment that you showed me. And I knew right then that this was a friendship. And I've always, AJ, wanted to repay the favor to you, find some way. But you know, not a lot of chinks in your armor. That's what I would like to say. It's true. It's true. There's never been a time where we have thought about you. Boy, he needs our help. I, I guess that's my blessing and my curse is it, it is I do put, you know, a very brave face out there. And that's not only for the men's warehouse clientele that might be looking for weakness that they can exploit so they can walk away with some formal wear. But it's for my niece and nephew as well. I do not want to, you know, get into all the mud of their parents. They're a little soft. I think most people would agree. And I just do my best to toughen those kids up. And that means, a, you know, putting on a brave face. The thing that we are noticing in, as, as far as patterns go with the best uncles, is they are always ready to step in and be the corrective part of what's missing from the parental equation, right? So if your parents are a little loosey-goosey, then you're going to need a firm uncle. And if your parents are too strict, you're going to need a more fun, I hate to say funkle, but a little bit more fun of an uncle, you know? Sure. They, they sometimes fulfill that role. But I think that is a great thought. The best an uncle can be is kind of that missing piece. And boy, you said when some parents are loosey-goosey, these, you know, my, my brother and sister, they're, they've got to be the loosest geese in the barnyard. What's an example of something they'll just let, you know, like let happen that you have to fix? Skiing. Oh. Oh. Just constantly, every winter, this huge ski trip, there's no pattern to it, no organization. Where are the kids going to go? Are they going to go on the easy one? We don't know. We, we can't control the rest of their lives. Why we, we, we control this? Because they're nine and seven. That's how you look away for 10 seconds on the bunny slope and your kids are on a double black diamond. And that's, of course, where they're going to go. You know, kids are drawn to like drama and, and danger. And so every year I clandestinely rent a little duck hunting blind on the side of the mountain and I am there. I am there watching over them because apparently no one else is. You know, kids are going to see that ski lift and they're going to want to go as high as they can. It's candy. It's candy for kids. And the one thing ski lifts do is break down and let and leave you to jump off of them. Right? To an uncertain chance of life. Exactly. So when I was growing up and you know, I played sports in high school and our coach, he was my softball coach and my basketball coach. His name was Bill Dunkel, license plate Wild 80. He used to cut, if he saw season tickets to uh, the ski resort in our town, that was, you know, the closest ski resort, he would cut them off. He would cut off a season ticket pass so that people couldn't go skiing because he said, you know what I don't need on my teams is a bunch of athletes. Well, not the softball team because it wasn't that time, but is a bunch of basketball players with bum knees and you're all going to blow your knees out if you go skiing. That's a compassionate coach that's going to do something like that. Yeah. Cut you off. Say no. You will not ski today. No one needs to. It's not like you're getting somewhere you couldn't get otherwise. Right. Plus the lodges, the lodges themselves, the ski lodge is just a den of iniquity. You know, it's, I can't imagine what's being passed around in a ski lodge. You know, oh, it's so cold. Let me get inside where it's warm. Put brandy on, you know. You know, we grew up poor in my family. So skiing was like out of control, rich people. It was like, that's what you do if you've got money, not what you do if you don't. It was made very clear. Here's a garbage lid. Go uh, sledding. I mean, I didn't have to use a garbage lid. That just sounds, I, I don't want to exaggerate. I had a sled. But that's a great example. And with enough imagination, a garbage lid could be anything. It could be a shield in like a medieval adventure. It could be uh, like a flying saucer. It could be a sled. Hashtag find your own sled. Hey, that's a good one. 
Thank you so much. Because you know how people say, like, find your beach. I have to admit, I don't understand that one. Like, are you, if you if you try hard enough, are you going to find a beach that's not there? Like, find I if it were find a beach, I'd think, great. Okay, I'll go look for one on the map, and then I'll find it. Like, find your beach implies, like, there's special beaches that no one else knows about. Am I Am I alone here? Not at all. It's also, that also indicates wealth, right? There's, there's inherent wealth in that statement, find your own beach. <laughs> Good luck. Ain't that the truth? I am just glad to see that you two fine ladies turned away from a life of crime because that was a quick one. You know, we have to do the paperwork on any sort of incident in the store. They ask you to put, you know, well, what can you summarize the incident? I just wrote human frailty and they just left it at that because that's what it was. There was no crime committed. Last time I checked, having emotions and a loose grasp on them isn't a crime. No one ever went to jail for feeling too much. Well, crimes of passion, but this was... That's true, yeah. Feeling too much and then maybe leading that to murder. Right away, I thought of those two guys who killed the parents. Speaking of men's warehouse, they were wearing those sweaters. Oh, the, the, uh, the, um, Mercedes. Menendez's. Yes, Menendez. Yes. That was, they were feeling a little bit too much. Hmm. And we don't carry those anymore. I know that they would want me to say that, even though, you know, the whole chain, it looks like, is going uh, down the tubes. I'm sure they would want me to say we're, we don't carry those anymore. Oh, AJ, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about your job. I'm going to be fine. Whenever there's goods and services, you need someone to keep an eye on them. So I, I'm sure I'm going to come out on top. Did you know that? Two things. One, I could see why Men's Warehouse is in trouble because the... The simple fact of you're going to love the way you look, I guarantee it. Who could ever, nobody has ever said that to a woman. Nobody who's ever sold clothing to a woman has ever said, you're going to love the way you look, I guarantee it. Because they know we're just not designed to love the way we look, guaranteed, right? It's going to, there's going to be some back and forth. And secondly, did you guys know, I'll have to uh, text my niece to uh, look up who this is. But I remember that there was a basketball card that came out the year of the Menendez brothers. One of the players is running, you know, whatever, playing basketball in the background, the Menendez brothers are there. And it was the night of the murder. They left their dead parents. They went to the basketball game and they are in somebody's basketball card. This I have heard of. And they, to look at them, they're having a good time. Like nothing happened. Nothing. It's just the mind of some criminals. I mean, good on them for keeping busy and cramming that much into a day. But to think that you could walk away from that and go to a public sporting event and just look so unbothered is beyond me. I agree completely. And also that poor basketball player, you know? Oh, his card is ruined. No one's looking at him. Ruined. Pat, did you know about this? No, no. This is all new information to me. I thought I knew a lot about the Menendezes because I remember at the time, there's no way to tell what year it was, so I'm going to guess it was 1998 that this all happened. But I remember at the time, you know, when you have mixed feelings, I thought, oh God, these two, I know that they did it, Ugh. but also, oh my God, oh my God. You want to elaborate on that? I have to but, ask, because with the mixed feelings, what were the different feelings that were being mixed? Uh, um, disgust and um, uh, longing for uh, to be physical with them. See, now I'm seeing the light in your eyes that was there when you had all those ties on your arm. Mm, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, AJ, this is a six positive podcast, and I, I just want to normalize, you know, a lot of these thoughts and feelings that people have. So I will say at that time, I did think, you know, oh, they tag teamed the parents. No offense. What a horrific crime. But I was also thinking, would they tag team me? Good cop, bad cop me, you know, in a sex way. Did they have sex with their parents? You just mean tag team, like, took turns murdering? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. You got to clarify, because I thought then that they had sex with each of their parents and then killed them, and that you were asking for some sort of snuff situation. Boy, if you're a parent, that's a lot at once. It's like, you're my child. I love you unconditionally. You're going to have sex with me, and then you're going to kill me. And then, unbeknownst to me, you're going to go to a basketball game. Yeah. Stuff like that makes me just so grateful I don't I don't have my own kids. I mean, except for the kids that I have, my nieces and nephews. But I'm the kind of parent who would have ended up getting, you know, oh, great, my kid's having sex with me, and now I'm getting murdered, I'm getting robbed, and the house is on fire, and okay, great. Oh, I, I don't know if I can hear that from you. I think you would have raised glorious children, and it's, oh. it's absolutely fine that that has not been the case, but I cannot imagine any child of yours having sex with you and then murdering you. Yeah, well, I guess I the sex is harder than the murder, yeah. I'm going to agree, though. I'm going to agree. I couldn't imagine it myself. Your kids would be so well 
behaved. I know because the things you say, especially about Carolyn's kids, I know I'm like, well, she would do it right. Yeah, I guess I would. Now, AJ, Mags and I know how we feel about having our own kids, but you do not have your own kids either. And would you say that you've put your career first? Absolutely. I came into security at a young age. I mean, uh, I guess I've never shared this. I was just interning at, uh, I mean, it was a real warehouse you know, now that I think about it, it's kind of a nice through line that I wound up at Men's Warehouse because this was just sort of like a sweater depot. I was going to a lot of different places, but well, there's, you know, there's no undramatic way to say it. I foiled a heist. <gasps> like- Explain with detail. This is the stuff I live for. How have I kept this from you? I mean, because you two, you will pry a secret out of anyone. But this was early on. I was looking for any kind of work. And, you know, it was the late shift. They had a little cot by the door, you know, the huge automated door that the trucks would come and go. They must have had some sort of a device. Suddenly the door opens only like a third of the way. This whole team comes in. They're all in black unitards like the classic burglars. I uh, was totally flummoxed at first you know i'm just a kid at probably 19 so they just start loading up sweaters and these are uh high quality goods this is like cashmere and goat's wool all sorts of things like that and they are emptying it out emptying the warehouse out and you know i'm frozen with panic i'm in the shadow so they don't see me in my cot well finally something took a hold of me that day and that was probably the day i became an uncle even though my brother and sister didn't have any kids yet It was like I chose security. I chose the welfare of others before any other concern. And I went over to the forklift and I just managed to somehow, as they were making that final haul towards the door, I just sent the thing into drive and I scooped them all up and I pinned them against the wall. I just left, I left the whole thing running until the cops could arrive in the morning. And uh, from there, it's been from job to job. I think, I guess I just have a knack for security, you could say. And, you know, several of them had pretty profound injuries, you know, from me pinning them to the wall. Yeah. So I like to think I have a more delicate touch. I guess I'll let Pat speak to that as far as my technique of apprehending now. Oh, it felt like um, you were completely in control, but you could have taken me out if you needed to. It was perfect. That is mutual. Music to my ears. Yeah. Like that's exactly what you want. Like control without, you know, violence or chaos. I mean, you sound like one of those um, reluctant superheroes. You were there and you foiled a heist. I mean, who gets to do that, AJ? Well, you know, God willing, no one. Because you never want to be placed in the middle of a heist at any age. I'm happy that something just woke up in me. You know, we all have callings to different things. And in that moment, I was like, I got to keep that outerwear safe. That's what I did that night. Protect those sweaters. Protect. Now, would you say, because I think that what you indicated in there, AJ, is that there's a selflessness to being an uncle or an aunt. And I suppose I'm going to say something controversial, but are parents selfish and aunts and uncles are selfless? You know, parents... I got to have a kid. I got to keep this marriage together. I need to keep my genetic material out there. And so I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're just here to build them up or uh, enforce the rules or show them the lay of the land. Too far? Did I go too far? No, no. Right on the money. Getting back to my sports days. The head coach? Yeah. Okay. You put the team together. You call the plays. You run the shots. The assistant coach is everybody's favorite. And I believe that's really what we're doing here. It's like the head coach is, yeah, picking the starters, picking the plays, whatever. Assistant coach is really managing every single other thing. And that's why we are more likable. You're the family assistant coach. That's right. That is right. Now, AJ, take us to your happy place, speaking of. Take us to your nieces and nephews. Tell us a little bit about them, what you love about them, what's going on there. Oh, boy. Already I can see your face light up. (laughs) Well, I mean, we don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much, right? As far as the effect that we're having on, our, on the various nieces and nephews in our lives. Away, pat away, patting, pat, pat, patty tambulance, Maggie Martin, pat away. What I did was I made a deal with my uh, brother and sister that I could just have one week with these two out in the wild as a kind of like, again, prepping is a loaded term, but just more like living out in the wild, nothing but basic skills and just human existence. So I have this little cabin, built it myself. 
if I do say so, all recycled materials. And we go out there. I mean, if you're going to ask where my happy place is, it's got to be in the middle of, it was a a cherry grove, I think. And then the trees uh, turned. And when that happens, you got to burn it down. So it was this empty, beautiful field, mountains on the right and left, streams straight ahead. And we go there usually like just as spring is, you know, is showing up from its vacation. And it's, it's the best time of the year. Each year, you know, we do brand new things. And if I I can give them those seven days, little Nate and Rose, if I can give them the tools that can kind of counterbalance, you know, all this like great Gatsby hullabaloo their parents are heaping on them. I like to think that'll be enough. They're very young, but this last spring we did college applications in like a time sensitive situation. So we brought them out. I was like, okay, it's raining. First, you got to find cover. And then I just want you to just write an essay and just have it be honest, but you know, topical, um, you know, and have a point. and have a have a point of view. Um, flying colors. Nate and Rose, if I had been any of the big schools, I would have hired them on the spot. Did you give them any more of a prompt than that? Or was it just write an essay, have a point of view? Did you say like, if you could do anything, if you could meet one person, you know, whatever those college prompts are. I mean, I wanted it to be accurate. You know, you don't want to give them skills they can't use. If I remember correctly, I had a grab bag of like touchstone words and I just grabbed one for each. Let's see. One of them was uh, dragon fly and the other was international conflict wow they did great i mean again i try not to shed any tears in front of them because i want to put on a brave face but they would have had me on the floor they would have had me blubbering they did so great at nine and seven to think of the level of preparedness that you have writing a college essay if somebody said to me at nine or seven write a college essay i would say uh you want me to do what almost exactly their words at first but they caught right up to it when they realized there wasn't any other way out. Not with Uncle AJ calling the shots for once. I think college essay might be my um, Manchurian candidate kind of phrase. Like when I hear college essay, I don't go into like a mode of like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm hypnotized. I go into panic, you know. College essay, boom. Right when you said it, AJ, I felt like everything got real hot. I got nervous just hearing those words. So you're doing those kids such a great service. No one ever did that for me when I was a kid. No. And if they're being thrust into that now, by the time they're what, 16, 17, they're going to be bored by it. They're going to be like, oh, another essay. I've been writing one every spring since before I could drink. So my hope is just to get them ready for whatever's out there. If it's old news, you can't be scared by it. Precisely. It's exactly right. What were some of the other things you've done in your week in the cabin? Oh, so, I mean, it's been a bunch of years now. We did a uh, make your own clothes from just like found materials. And that, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's not about me, but I had fun shopping for that one. Because I just, you know, a bunch of raw materials, hemp, wheat, grain. And it was like, what can you make out of this? You know, if you're left on your own, you know, you can't just keep wearing the same things. I mean, I'll tell you this. I mean, even a men's warehouse goods are sturdy, but even they're going to break down eventually. And they made the, just the cutest little outfits. I had like a crude runway in the cabin made out of milk cottons. And we did like a fun show at the end of what they'd created. Just for the record, those are always my favorite. The unconventional clothing challenges on Project runway those are always my favorites so i don't know if you took inspiration from that but those are always a crowd pleaser in my house you know i bet i i didn't even know it but now that you say it aj (laughs) who's stealing now whoa (laughs) i should drag myself away don't you dare but we'd bail you out immediately you too so you've got if i'm counting right you've got your um rec room that you made that we've heard a bit about Mm. And you got a cabin in the woods. Mm. It's it's simple. I don't want you thinking I'm some sort of high society person. You know, I just make these things out of what I can find. You know, it might take a while. You just have a rough blueprint. But yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with, you know, what I got. And I even yeah. have a little like hideaway in the men's warehouse break room that I made out of like abandoned uh, shipping boxes and stuff. Just when it gets to be too much, you need a moment to kind of like, you know, they talk about like crating a dog when you got to like limit their stimuli so they can calm down. I guess it's the same, you know, people aren't much different. So it's nice to go in there and just like huddle up and, you know, let the noise of the world like fade away. 
I totally, I, I, uh, I saw one of those sensory deprivation tanks, you know, and uh, on TV and I tried to make one, you know, I tried to get in the bath and then make one and I just, it didn't work. But I wanted no senses. She called, I need you to come over. Don't be alarmed. I'm naked in here. Come get me. I asked her to put the cushions for me to get down in the bathtub and for her to put the cushions on top, lock out the light. And then she didn't want to do it because she was like, I don't know, you might panic. And then I did. I did panic right away. Yeah. I was damn close to like a drowning situation, like in the tub with something holding you down. Yeah. I, if I were to describe a drowning, it wouldn't be much different. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tried. And don't, I hope that doesn't burn you out of uh, sensory deprivation tanks for the rest of your life. The kids gave them to me once. God bless them. They saved up for a gift certificate and uh, I did love it. They were like, AJ, take a break. I'm going to put you in this chamber for a while and let you calm down because I told them about my little hutch that I have in the break room at MW. So I loved it. Give it a shot. Let me ask you this. You ever take a perp in there, turn the screws a little bit while you're uh, trying to get him to confess to stealing? You found my journal? What? (laughs) I'm kidding. You know, only once. Someone just would not crack. And it's like, you've got cufflinks on you somewhere. I have all day. They just would not break. And I was like, all right, all right. I got a little place for you to maybe do some thinking. I threw them in my hutch. We got a little mini fridge back there, you know, where you keep yogurt or whatever. It just, it's, it's on wheels. He didn't know that. I just pushed it up against the edge of the hutch, locked the wheels. He was ready to talk 45 minutes later. Where'd he put those cufflinks? Up the butt? It was up the butt. And I was like, I don't have the tools or the inclination to go get them. So he ended up getting them out himself. That turned out to be the real sticking point is like, he was like, you don't know. But I mean, it was pretty clear based on his expression. So he went and he went and got them himself. Now, links. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to know what happened to the links too, because Aunt Tuts, you know, we were talking about zones. I would love to know. This is really pulling the curtain back. What happens to cufflinks that had been in someone's ass when they tried to take them? What's the procedure there? With it being such a, I mean, he was such a difficult perp. He gave us so much grief. So we did involve the authorities in something like that. And that made the cufflinks evidence. So now the thing is, the officer that came by, I don't know if you've, uh, Simmons, I think is his last name. He's a real tool. And he's given me a lot of grief over the years. They look down on security. Often, I don't want to get into the whole hierarchy of the security world. But he came by and he said, I understand you got some evidence. And I was like, yep. And he was like, I uh, want to tell me anything about, you know, any history or how did this play a part? And I kept my lip zipped. So the last thing I saw was him just rolling them around in his hand like a pair of dice. And I, that's an image that I'll enjoy for the rest of my life. They have no reason to look down on you. If I were you, I would say, I don't need to take this from you. I forklifted a bunch of criminals wearing unitards when I was 19. What have you done with yourself? That's why I need a little mags over my shoulder to have speeches of that nature ready when I need them. Oh, I got you covered. That was our first interaction. I'm surprised you came around on me because you know I turn into the wolf a little bit. If Pat's threatened, I got to jump in. I saw the claws that day. Oh, that's another good animal, by the way. Wolves are um, protectors. You know, and and Mags is a wolf and she's, I can see her like a cartoon, like a small wolf on your shoulder. I like, do you, do you like that as far as like an animal totem, Mags? A wolf? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. I love Teen Wolf, so I guess I could be uh, an older woman wolf. I'm not an elderly wolf. No, they live a long life too. I mean, they might be, you know, even when they're up, when they're up there, they're still taking animals down. They're very, very good at what they do. Do they give you a gun, AJ? There's one, uh, there's one in the store. There's just one. And there's like a series of puzzles you have to do to get to it. Oh, I love puzzles. We do make it fun. The three of us should do an escape room. I would love that. I would love that. Oh my God. I've wanted to do one of those so bad for so long. Me too. Three. I already get my week alone with the kids, so I'm worried. Like, I've never done it with Rose and Nate just because it feel, it might be overkill. So I've never had anyone to do it with. The three of us should go because what a team. You know, you've got all the tactical, half-prepper, all those instincts that, you know, you, you would be the person I would want. Like, let's say I'm on a game show when they drop you in, like, naked and afraid situation. I would want to be your partner. And Pat, you are so good with words. You're so good with words. I, I'm just curious. It's a curiosity, you know. It's okay. it's not a skill. It's a it's it's just regular shock over here, that level of curiosity. Oh, I <laughs> can see that. I see that. <laughs> you know that whole thing, curiosity killed the cat? Um uh it's something about the there's like a memorial in the town. 
Is it like that? Or is it like the cat that can't fall on its back? Like that law? Right. That's what killed it, right? It was curious looking up, and so it does fall finally on its back and dies. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just heard the other day that it was curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. Wow. Oh. Well, that sort of makes it like a nice little loop. Like it's everything's the way it was when it started. I was always told curiosity killed the cat by my parents who were trying to keep me in line. And you know what? Aunts and uncles should be the ones who fill it in. But, but what was it? Satisfaction brought it back. Parents say curiosity killed the cat. Aunts and uncles say, but satisfaction brought it back. That is fun. In an ideal scenario, like an aunt or an uncle would be like hidden somewhere in the house. And the parent says that thinking, you know, they're laying out some wisdom. And then at the last second, like around the corner, the aunt uncle is like, but satisfaction brought it back. And that's what the kid remembers is like, oh, that's the one in the family with all the answers. The assistant coach. That's 100 percent right. Hey, this is way over the line, and this has to stay between us. I mean, Men's Warehouse is going out of business. If you two want to come by, if there is anything that caught your eye over the years, I know it's mostly men's formal wear, but many of those ties are still there. You help yourselves. I'll look, I'm going to look the other way. On the one hand, I don't want you to compromise your integrity for us because I look at you as this pillar of integrity. But on the other hand, I could get into some like Diane Keaton level kind of menswear look that I would love to do. Oh, absolutely. I, you could step right into that, no problem. And there's some fun like shabby chic, even just like a, a tweed vest. Mm. You know, leave the blazer behind. You could make that work for you without thinking about it. Thank you so much. That would be great. And I might, um, we're not together anymore, but and I might want to sell pick- to him for the record. We won't oh. sell to him. Well, I was just thinking maybe I could pick something up for Ron. No. Well, to be buried in. He doesn't have anything to be buried in. That was a big fight that we had near the end. I said, what am I going to bury you in? And he said he wanted to be cremated. And I said, are you kidding me? I mean, not on then, my watch. You're still wearing something up until, you know, that time. You're not allowed to worry about what Ron is going to be buried in. Well, it just, it bothers me. It bothers me. You know what he was buried in the first time? Another woman. Uh, oh. And friends, tell us the truth, even when it hurts. I think you just got hit with some truth. That son of a beasting is going to get it from me if he accepts so much as a gift from you because I know your heart is generous and beautiful and you will find the good in every single person you come across, including Ron, that bastard of men and i mean this with every bit of me you're not gonna spend one red cent on ron well no because aj said we could take what we wanted so that would actually be nope not even for free now this i don't want to get in the middle of this world war but would it be fair for me to put something aside that you don't know about and you don't have to know about until the time comes. And if it turns out he's in a corner, he has nowhere to go, and he's looking at being cremated nude, I can say, Pat, I've got something for you. I've got a suit. I'll, I'll drop it off. Know that he will go out in style. Well, I would love that, AJ. And I would just like to say this. I know that Mags is trying to protect me, but I don't want anyone reading that Ron was cremated nude, as AJ said, or he was buried in a shower curtain because that's the only thing they could find around. That reflects on me. What did she do to him? How did he get there? Um, absolutely. Lee not. You've been divorced legally for seven years. You're you're not bound. You're not bound to him anymore. And I swear to God above, if that man dies in my lifetime, I will gladly be the person to set him ablaze. I will strip him of his clothes and I will set the man on fire. Nobody in my life will do that to you and get to be buried or burned with clothes on. Nobody. He hurt you? He's a bad man. He's bad. Say an affirmation right now about yourself. Right now. Ugh, it doesn't matter how short I get. Say another one that's a little more positive. When I catch my reflection, I like what I see. Good. Good. 
Good. I know we're not supposed to like offer affirmations for others, but if there were two ladies in the world that could finally take that exclusive hurtful men's warehouse slogan and make it work for themselves, it would be the two ladies right in front of me. You're going to love the way you look. But do you love the way you look? Me? Yep. I want to hear it. Absolutely not. But I will say this. Someday I will love the way I look. You're gonna. That's probably just a more honest and accurate slogan. I wish it had been men's warehouse. Someday you're going to love the way you look. Yeah. Don't make promises you can't keep, Men's Warehouse. Also, can we do a little rewrite on the max for the minimum? Minimum price, because it's never, never the same. Never plays twice. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like max might be overselling it. It's something for the minimum. Right. You're going to walk out with something for the minimum. Right. Yeah. Then you know what you're going into. That's a promise I can believe in. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys remember that? Did it, did it, did it, did it, TJ Maxx. Did it. Remember they did like a little doo-wop with it. Oh, yeah. I hate Ron. I hate Ron. I've made a mistake by bringing him up. I really wish that I hadn't brought him up and um, I rescinded. It's I'm a work in progress and one day I won't think about him. And I'm glad that you two, one AJ, I thank you so much for the offer and two mags i obviously thank you for keeping my head on straight aj is the most supportive and that was such a kind selfless noble offer so aj i don't want you to think that my reaction has anything to do with your generosity no 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 i know there's a lot of feelings in the room right now and uh i'm not absorbing all of them we're just kind of doing the work and pat got like what a pure soul that you went right to this person from your past but there are things in the store that would there's a lot of fun fedoras things that like uh, have become unexpectedly unisex in the last decade or so you come in and help yourself i'm telling you you're worth it god willing someday you're gonna love the way you look oh i think we can't do a better job ending this beautiful podcast oh everything's perfect in what you just said so i'm gonna go into the mantra and then let's get in and get out you know a mantra for this week is it takes an ant it just does and if you don't understand that then you're not an ant or an uncle. If you don't get it, then you're never going to get it, okay? On behalf of myself, and I know I'm speaking for Pat when I say this, so she'll tell you too. AJ, we love you so much. You are welcome here anytime. If more uncles were like you, we wouldn't have a thing about uncles, you know? And I'm just doing my best to change some perceptions one uncle at a time. It's all I can do. That's right. Yeah, you're an asset to everyone who is lucky enough to know you, and an asset to Men's Warehouse, and wherever you land after that. You two ladies, you're the light in my eyes. It was a pleasure to be here among you. Keep such fine company. The most I can ever pledge is that when we all go to bed tonight, all those sweaters out there will be just a little bit safer. That's right. We're doing that escape room, okay? I love it. All right. AJ, love you. Love you, Pat. Love you, Max. Thank you for listening to those who ain't a baby makers podcast starring Colleen Doyle as your aunt Pat, Dana Curcioli as your auntie Megs. And if you like this podcast, and how could you not, you gotta subscribe, rate, and review us. The role of Uncle AJ was played by Tim Sniffen, who you can hear as the mysterious man on the Hello from the Magic Tavern podcast. And you can also hear his writing on the TV show Work in Progress on Showtime. Our theme song was performed by The Q's, and you can follow them at The Q's Music on Instagram. Follow Those Who Ant on Instagram and Twitter, and if you have any questions for the ants, as always, email us at thosewhoant at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy, wear a mask, and for God's sakes, call your ants.